This is an ABC podcast. This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall on ABC Radio. And how nice does it sound to hear that? Jonathan Kendall, welcome to The Conversation Hour. And in true Conversation Hour style, we like to keep our presenters in separate studios and in separate parts of the state. But, mate, welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Rish. And for those who don't know, we broadcast remotely, so I'm in a different studio to Rochelle. I'm based in Sale in Gippsland, but hopefully we're going to be able to travel a bit more this year and broadcast from other towns and suburbs across the state as well. Well, today, Jono, let's kick things off with the topic that affects us all. And I'm not sure how much thought we've put into this, but it's something that I think does affect us all. It does. If we're moving to electric vehicles, which we've heard a lot about in the news today and the subsidies um, put in place by the state government, what is the future of petrol stations? This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio. For service that is tops and gas that's extra fine, there's a smile for every mile at the S-O sign. P-S-S-O makes your car go. Happy motoring. What is the future for service stations? In previous generations, many of us committed to uh, going to work in cars. And in back in 1973, there were around 25,000 service stations across Australia pumping petrol on nearly every major intersection. These days, that number has dropped dramatically. So there are about 6,500 petrol stations across Australia. So what's changing? Well, for one, there's an understanding we have to stop burning fossil fuels. So on the weekend, I mean, we heard news there's going to be 20,000 state government subsidies for new electric car purchases under $69,000. Well, maybe that will change the uptake of EVs here, Jono, in Victoria, because up until now, it's been pretty slow. And the future of petrol stations here and how they're changing is really different to, say, the UK, where they have mega EV charging stations and retail stores and restaurants are wrapped around those EV stations. But here, the future of petrol stations is looking a little different. It's more about convenience. They're a place to get money, pick up dry cleaning, buy food. Where else are you going to buy your ice, Jono, if it wasn't for the (laughs) servo? And people now even have lockers to pick up deliveries and groceries. Yeah. And in the past, I know on this show, we've heard from truck drivers who've spoken about how servos were once rest stops. So a place to actually rest, you know, (laughs) have a home cooked meal, uh, maybe have a bit of a nap in the cab of your truck. Um, But we're being told that's pretty hard to find these days. Lots is changing, Jono. I can actually remember never having to get out of your car. My mum would just drive around and around to find someone to serve her. And back in the days then, the store mechanic, you know, they would stride out in their white overalls as you drove over that little wire that rang the bell in the shed. They'd fill up your tank. They'd clean your windows. They might even check your tyres for air. And it was this total experience. Experience and what a service station was meant something totally different. Completely different, I reckon, because I remember hearing my dad talk about in her, his early days, he used to be one of those service station attendants. He'd fill up cars. Really? Yeah, in, um, in Lake Centrance at Caltex at the servo there. And he used to chat to people as well. It was this really kind of social experience going to a servo because you'd have a chat with the service station attendant. Um, that has all changed, of course. You know, it used to be going to a servo was a bit of a big deal. As you said, you'd get, you know, air in your tyres and the windscreen wiped and uh, fill up with fuel as well. Because over the decades, they have changed a lot and that change is continuing. So how will your local servo change? Whether it's the one on your street corner in your town or suburb, or if it's the one that you always stop at on long trips... Maybe to get hot chips could just be me. Will we follow the lead of other countries and will we turn into major EV stations? Will we go back to being a rest stop? What is the future 
of the service station. How are they changed and how are they morphing? We'd love to get your calls on this. Plenty of texts are already coming in. This one, there have been 10 new service stations now built in Ballarat in the last 12 months. So there you go. That's going against trend. And this, where have you guys been? It's been changing for about 20 years, either closing (laughs) or pivoting to convenience shops. But that's kind of it, John, isn't it? That they're turning into convenience shops as opposed to running as service stations, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And that's interesting to say, where where have you guys been? I feel like service stations have been perpetually changing since they started. I feel like they're just going to continue to change as well. And this news today um, that the Andrews government is going to provide 20,000 subsidies of up to $3,000 for new electric vehicle purchases under 69 grand. Um, that I reckon that's going to hasten the change as well. We are this morning also going to hear Rish from, um, from a, a resident of Yarragon, um, and they it was kind of Yarrigan versus uh, the service centre, and they won. So we're going to hear about that and hear about your, because I know you're from the Latrobe Valley, uh, hear about your experience yeah. uh, as well. Yep, that had a big impact on our family. So how it can change small towns? Well, we'll get to that later in the program. Stephen says on text, hey guys, the Mildura Council has just passed an application for a 24-hour fuel station on the highway, but on farmland. What are they thinking? In the Sunraysia area, another fossil fuel outlet. But Dr Chris Jones is the National Secretary of the Australian Electric Vehicle Association. He's the WA branch chair. Chris, we've known for a long time that Victoria and Australia is a little slower than other countries <laughs> on the pickup of EVs. Yeah. So what does that mean for our petrol stations, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. I think we're going to see definitely a, a big contraction in the number of service stations uh, in our towns and metropolitan areas especially. Um, the ones that are on major highways linking major centres, they'll probably just um, turn into EV charging stations with conveniences and cafes and everything attached. But we will see a big contraction, yeah, for sure. Will they, though? Will they change um, into EV charging stations? Because I know some petrol station owners and, and big companies have been a bit reluctant to do that because they see it as competition. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, you got to remember that... that Service stations make most of their money on drinks and snacks. They don't make much money on the selling of fuel. The selling of fuel is simply a reason to stop, uh, and then they get you on the Chico Rolls. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen eventually, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened in some areas, though. So what about long trips, you know, where you've got, you know, we talk about anxiety range where we're in EVs, but even with petrol as well, you know where that next petrol station will be. So the local servo in our suburbs may become a convenience store, but what about on the big stretches of roads? Will they turn into more mega EV charging stations, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, they're, going to, they're going to have to service the needs for, for people travelling long distances who need to charge their cars fairly quickly, like in under 20 minutes. Uh, and so those those service stations will probably grow, if anything. But the ones in metropolitan areas and in town, they'll probably close up. Um, but the thing is, is that they're usually in really prime real estate locations. So they'll probably get turned into, I don't know, car dealerships or, or, or Kentucky Fried Chickens or something. I mean, uh, most service stations are sort of located where they are out of, out of high visibility and convenience, um, not necessarily because... You know, they're in a good part of town, um, but they offer the amenity. I'm really interested to know what you think about the state government's announcements over the weekend. So this is part of the Victorian government's commitment to cut the state's greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2030, and they also want net zero emissions by 2050. So what they've done is they've put up 20,000 subsidies of $3,000 for new electric vehicle purchases under $69,000. Is that going to help? Is that going to hasten the demise of the service station? It will will definitely help the uptake of EVs. I think there's quite a few people who are sort of right on the cusp of pulling the trigger on on purchasing an EV, uh, and and three grand off the sticker price will will definitely um, push people over the line. Um, It it sort of makes up for the the EV-specific road user charge, which has been proposed. Um, I guess that's going through Parliament this week, so we'll see what comes of that. But, uh, But, yeah, it will definitely help. While we've got you, we want to have a chat to Bruce. He's in Melbourne. Bruce, what do you think? What's the future? Is it moving towards EV mega stations? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm um, biased because I've had an EV for 10 years um, and so I've sort of been on the bleeding edge. But I did a road trip yesterday, for example, um, down to Lawn and, and through to Torquay and then on the ferry. And I, I think we're getting there. I mean, the, there's some really good apps, one called PlugShare, which shows where you can charge. And I think certainly in regional Victoria, um, it's an opportunity for service stations because you do spend longer. I mean, as, as, um, as, as your gentleman said, it's sort of 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So being able to sort of have more time to offer conveniences, cafes, those sorts of things, I think, and it's quite a social um, experience now too because other EV drivers pull, you know, pull up and it's a bit of a community kind of feeling. So I think in the metro area it, it's going to be tougher, but in regional Victoria it could actually be a renaissance of the sort of mm -hmm. more old-fashioned service station where it does have that sort of community feel. Yeah, Bruce, thank you very much for that. Um, Bruce from Melbourne. It's kind of returning to what I was talking about earlier where it was a bit of a social outing to go to the service station and fill up your car yeah. and get the get the windscreen done and get some air in the tyres. Um, I know um, a lot has been made of um, of the, the vehicle tax that has been put in place by the state government as well and, and that maybe that hasn't, um, you know, maybe that's going to be eaten up by these $3,000 grants. But, um, yeah, I'm interested to know from you, Dr. Chris Jones, yeah, I mean, what's it like? Are, are people going to start buying electric vehicles now? Yeah, for sure. Pe well, people have been buying EVs. At the moment, they've been frustrated by a combination of a lack of supply uh, and, and, unfortunately, limited choices. But it is steadily improving. I think there's, there's best, definitely a, a palpable um, burning desire out there for people to, to buy an EV as soon as they can. Um, we just need the options. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Not a problem. Dr Chris Jones is the National Secretary of the Australian Electric Vehicle Association. He's the WA branch chair. So what do you think? What are the future of service station? If the future is not in petrol, what will happen to your local petrol station? What I'm really loving here, Jono, is that there's some great people that say, hang on a second, Pat and Tina's at Shepparton, they still offer full driveway service and oh, love a beauty. good chat as well. And there's another that says, uh, well, this is from Jenny in St Leonard's, and we will get to this later in the program too. It says another one is being constructed here at the corner of the Ballerine Highway and Grub Road in Ocean Grove. We're not happy, says Jenny in St. Leonard. So not every small town is always happy when a servo comes to town. Yeah, and we're going to hear a little bit more about that later when we um, chat to one resident of Yarrigan because they, um, yeah, they, they fought the big service centre development and they have won. So let's go now um, to a bit of talk back. Uh, Kathy is in Northcote. Morning, Kathy. Good morning, Jonathan, isn't it? Yes, it is. Welcome on board. This is exciting. <laughs> sure <laughs> You're is. a debut. You're a debutante. Yeah, true, true. What did you want to say, Cathy? I wanted to say, here. I'd, I'm a retired teacher now, but I'd be saying to my students, you've got, a, you've got a problem here. You've got a great big hole in the ground. Think creatively. Think outside the square. Because all of the suggestions so far have been above ground. You've got a big hole. We've got many areas like Malakuta that are bushfire prone. They could be converted into a um, bunker for, for those little towns. You don't need to use all of these petrol stations, but in those areas where they are bushfire prone, they could be converted. You could fit a whole, um, you know, 50, 60 people. Those holes are huge. That's um, really a pivot. Not, the fire yeah. passes over. I know. I don't know. I mean, that's something I said certainly hadn't thought of, Jono, so turning them into a safe space. But it's interesting looking at some of the texts that are coming in in terms of, you know, where some are shutting down. But also there seems to be big stretches of Victoria where many are popping up as well. But there's one here that says this is unbelievable. We've actually got two that are opening up in our area. We're not all happy about it. But then lots of people, you know, would want it so that people uh, would be able to stop them and spend money in their town or not, because we know that that can be the case as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm really interested in that idea from Kathy from Northcote as well. Let's go to Steve, who is in Lara. Morning, Steve. Morning. How are you going? Yeah, very well. What did you want to say? Uh, I've owned an electric vehicle for the past 18 months, and uh, in that time, I've done just clicked over 40,000 Ks, and it's absolutely fantastic. And um, 
you know, a pleasure to drive. However, I believe that in the future that we'll, we'll need far less or far fewer service stations or charging stations if they get converted into charging stations because that, um, they, uh, you're just charging a lot less often and you're charging at home. So about 95% of, the, of my charging would be done at home while, while I'm asleep in bed and it's, it's got 90 or 100% battery. Good to go in the morning for another four or five hundred k. I guess a lot of that, though, Graham, depends on where you live and how much space you have. Some places in the inner city don't even have off-street parking, and so the idea of being able to charge at home is vastly different. So maybe what an EV charging station, or as we know them as a, a petrol station, what it looks like in the suburbs might be very different to what it looks like in regional Victoria as well. There's another text here, Jono, that says, we are bemused. Stahl has two new petrol stations in the last year. Horsham, two in the last 18 months. A new one going up in Ocean Grove on the Queenscliff Road, plus one built at the new plaza that's opened up 18 months ago. Why, says this particular text. Mm, all right. Um, let's go to Judy, who is in the Goulburn Valley. G'day, Judy. G'day. Um, I was also going to mention Patentina's wonderful um, servo. Um, it's been an institution for a long time. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say, when you're talking about regional trips, and I mean long trips, we regularly go to Queensland. It's a 20-hour drive, and it takes us one and a half days. Now, the last thing we want to do is to spend 10 or 20 minutes when we stop, you know, to refuel or, sorry, to recharge. You don't want to turn the 20-hour drive into like a 24-hour, you know, a longer drive. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. You you know, it's some people find that part of the journey. They enjoy Mm -hmm. that. But but for others, you know, you really need to get where you're going. Thank you, Judy, for that call. I reckon too, Jono, that's why we're seeing in the UK, for example, retail experiences and really sort of nice restaurants dotted all around these EV charging stations because you do have to wait. So they turn that into a chance for you to potentially spend more money. And some service stations are starting to look like shopping centres all around the idea that you have to spend 20 minutes somewhere to charge your car. So why not go have something to eat? No, no, buy yourself a new hat or a pair of shoes while you're at it. Or get a manicure and a pedicure or get your dog groomed or clipped or whatever. I mean, there are those big ones, particularly in the UK, where you can get all, you know, lots of different services done. And I think they're just going to have to diversify um, over the next few years because uh, things are changing. Now, I love this. I love, Rish, that there is a historian who has looked well, pretty much just at um, service stations. Graham Davison is the author of Car Wars, How the Car Won Our Hearts and Conquered Our City. So it's a bit more than just service stations. But um, good morning, Graham. Lovely to have good you morning. on. Good morning. How are you? Good to speak. Oh, very, very well. Very well. Um, now, you've been looking at the history of service stations, but what is the future for servos? Well, I don't know. They've been with us for quite a while. I mean, it's very interesting. Everybody now talks about servos. And that that word really only arrived. It's an Australian expression. It arrived in about the 1980s. And I think it arrived at just the moment when service stations were being turned into something a bit different. Because at the beginning, um, the service, the, the, the oil companies stressed the idea of service and the idea that when you stopped, you had somebody there who would help you, who would pump your tyres and fill your tank and act in a personal way to you. But by the time we got to the 1980s, the whole process had become more and more automated. Um, and I doubt there are very, many people who would say that they had a personal relationship with the person behind the glass who, um, who now serves you. Yeah, well, or, sometimes you, know, you don't even have petrol. to go inside to pay, do you? No, it's that's right. That's right. You probably do it, at, you do it at the pump. So it, it, it's, it's changed Quite a lot, but intriguingly, you know, this idea that the service station should be something more than a petrol pump um, goes back a long way. I mean, uh, back in the 1950s, already people who'd visited, Australians who visited uh, service stations in America were saying every service station should be a department store of the motorist supplies and the display of accessories should be scientifically laid out in view of the motorist who calls for petrol. And about the same time, people were saying, um, today, tyre pumping, windscreen wiping, showers, toilets, restaurants are what the motorist expects and demands from the service station. So 
So that, that idea that the service station is something more than just a place where you get petrol, it's got a it's been going around for a long while. And when we look historically at where they're positioned, they quite often have prime real estate, especially in the suburbs and the outer areas of Absolutely. Melbourne. So this well, is something we've learnt to rely on them. They're open 24 hours as well. That's a big shift that right. we've seen. That's right. Well, I, I, you see, I'm old enough to remember when it weren't, they weren't necessarily 24 hours. I mean, there used to be places where coin in the slot, automated petrol pumps that you could go to after hours when the petrol stations closed. So so even that idea has not been around so long, but we do expect, and I heard one of your, your listeners say, we now feel that when we drive in, we can get our uh, petrol instantly and make off. And one of the things that the, the uh, electric charging station, at least at the moment, requires us is to stay for at least... 20 minutes or half an hour, doesn't it? So it's, it's going to change that experience quite a bit. Um, it's going to make the stop a compulsory stop. Mm. I, I want to ask you about the change to service stations over the years because um, back in 1973, Australia had uh, about 25,000 service stations and today we've yeah. got about 6,500 service yep. stations. So is that is that a demise or is that a rationalisation of service? Oh, it's, I think it's, it's what we've seen in resale more generally, isn't it? it, it the, it's now we have fewer and fewer companies now uh, operating these large consolidated um, service stations and of course in the country uh, where the roads themselves have now increasingly go round the towns we don't pass through the town and stop at one of several service stations that might be offering their wares, but we stop at the one big servo on the highway, which is also, of course, the place where we get our fast food and all the rest of it. So I think it's been part of a general consolidation of, of retail around more automated processes and also a consolidation of the companies. One of the other interesting things, of course, has been the um, the relationships that now has emerged between the major retailers and the oil companies. So now it's um, uh, uh, companies like uh, Shell, which have an alliance with Coles, um, and I think it's Caltex is, is the partner with Woolworths. We now have this uh, closer relationship between retail companies and oil companies. And it's interesting, all the different things that we've called them over the years, Graham. Graham Davison yeah. is with you, author of Car Wars, How the Car Won Our Hearts and Conquered Our Cities. We've called them rest stops, and I know truck drivers have always called them rest stops, and there's a text yeah. here that says, you know, maybe they'll go back to being rest stops. I went from Melbourne to Warrnambool and back again twice. I had to stop on my way there once on the way back. Both service stations didn't need to take any fuel. I just used it as a chance to rest, and we'll speak to some truck drivers in a moment, but we called them rest stops, convenience stores. Once they were called the garage because it was where your That's mechanic right. actually right. worked. Now yeah. there's probably no chance of someone working at the servo knowing how to fix a car. Absolutely. I mean, again, with the service station, I can still remember a time when oil companies invited the little old lady and her Morris Minor, who didn't know a thing about cars, to drive in and, and the attendants would not only fill the pump, but they'd check the tyres, look under the bonnet and do all sorts of things for free. Now that that I don't know what the little old lady does now um, unless she has a friend who can can take it in for her. So I think I think that aspect of service has changed. And it, it would be nice to think that um, now if the, the stop is going to be a compulsory stop for 20 minutes or so, that it'll open up a lot of other opportunities for people to... Um, to do things and make it more of a rest stop. And, and that, of course, is very much in our interest in the point of view of safety. Safety uh, people have been urging us, haven't they, to, to make frequent stops on long trips. Now we'll be probably obliged to make them. Well, lovely to hear from you this morning, Graham. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Graham Davison, author of Car Wars, How the Car Won Our Hearts and Conquered Our Cities, speaking about, well, the history of servos, or I should you know, use their full name, service stations, but also the future of service stations. And that's what I want to ask you about this morning as well. We'll have a chat to Paul. He's in Seaford. Hi, Paul. Yes, good morning. Um, look, I'm, I'm involved in the motor industry, but I've also been driving EVs for, well, all of this year at least. And my concern is we're only hearing the positive, magnificently wonderful side of it where there are some massive negatives to it. Like so what? we hear about the 20... 20- 
we ha- we hear about the twenty minute charging. Um, I'm driving a full size EV. It it doesn't exist. A twenty minute charge gets you about twenty percent of your battery. If you want to charge like eighty percent of your battery, you're talking more like a forty five minute stop, and it's probably going to cost you something like forty five dollars. Mm. If I want to charge at home from the wall plug. I'm looking at three days to charge the car fully. Is that will that not change over time though, Paul? As technology changes, uh, well, yeah, it will improve as the battery technology and the onboard charger technology improves. But at the moment, you know, the impression is, oh, 20 minutes and I'm fully charged and I can go. That's only when you are at a 350 kilowatt charger, and if somebody else is charging at the same time, that drops by about half. So your time goes up by a factor of about 25%. The, the other issue that you've got is everybody's making out it's free and, it, and it's not. It, it's costing you about the same as petrol. We're not going to get rid of petrol cars for... No, well, not, not any time soon, that's for sure too, Paul, because we know that the uptake here is the slowest in the globe. You know, we are just not buying them at a rate that we normally would. And a lot of that has got to do with the fact of just how expensive they are. But with the news today that we saw, Jonathan, that that will change. So whether or not that will start to have an impact. Yeah, for sure. I'm really interested in that too. Why the big companies see Australia as not a lucrative market for um, for electric vehicles. Um, and apparently it's just because they see Europe as a, as a more lucrative market, even though um, lots of surveys have been done that show that um, we are kind of, as, as a nation, we've got lots of rooftop solar, and so we're keen for that type of solar, um, and that if you're, if generally if you're keen on rooftop solar, you're keen on electric vehicles as well, but there just doesn't seem to be lots of affordable markets coming out. Uh, lots of affordable models, I should say. Trish is in Locksport. G'day, Trish. Hello there, Jonathan. Glad to say you're still here. I've been missing you terribly. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Trish. Uh, But what no one has mentioned is we got a brand new petrol station in Locksport, which now we got two. But what it's mainly used for is boats. Right. They queue up their um, holiday times. They are queuing up at the two petrol stations for boats. Oh, maybe we need electric vessels, not just electric vehicles, (laughs) Trish. That, but, I mean, there's a great demand these days for boats. There's boats everywhere. You can just see them in people's gardens. And um, that, that, that's, they're just queuing up to get petrol what, yeah. or diesel. I don't, I don't even know what they're burning boats. Well, yeah, and yeah. there's questions too, Trish, thank you, that say where will the big trucks fill up as well? Well, we'll go mm. to a truck driver in just a moment. Someone has sent a message through to us, Jono, saying, can you please drop the Jono? John is okay. I enjoy your program, <laughs> but I can't concentrate. You're not a John. You're a Jonathan I'm or not a Jono, John. though. I'm from the country. I'm a little bit bogan. Um, you can call me Jono. You can call me John. You can call me Jonathan, if you like, that's fine. Either um, way, I, you'll answer to something. That's right. As long as you don't call me late for dinner, Ish. <laughs> Never. ABC Radio. This is The Conversation Hour with Rochelle Hunt and Jonathan Kendall. And Jonathan, I'm interested here that you and I have both actually got little connections to service stations. I didn't know that your dad used to work in one. Do you, Does he want to, like, if you ever go travelling with your dad or used to go travelling with your dad, was he always the one that wanted to put the petrol in the car <laughs> or was he, like, standing back, that's someone else's job now? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, all of the trips that I went on him with were, um, you know, in the modern era where there were no service station attendants. But yeah, he used to talk about um, just catching up with locals that he would, it's like, you know, like a hairdresser, the same role that they perform. They have a chat with people while they're cutting the hair. Well, he would have a chat with people while they were, um, while he was filling up their car. And it was a real kind of social outing. He felt, he really felt part of the community. So he, he used to love that job, actually. I love that. Well, my family, we'll learn more about this in just a moment. They actually don't have a great relationship with servos because we owned the local milk bar and Ah. when a service station comes into town on your highway all of a sudden you're not having to turn off to get your paper or your milk or your bread and all of those things so a service station sometimes can have a huge impact on on a small country town. Yes, yes. And um, we are going to be having a chat in a moment to uh, Roy Lindsay from Yarrigan, who can tell us that story about how, how Yarrigan kind of took on mm. um, a, big, uh, a big service station development and one rich. 
Rest stations is also something else that we heard service stations referred to as. So when you think about that, a rest station, a place to actually rest. Doug McMillan is a border truck driver. He's from Albury, Wodonga. Doug, we sort of realised the importance of rest stops a lot for truck drivers throughout COVID because you just needed a place to stop and rest and use the facilities. Over the years, have you seen the rest taken out of the rest station? Yeah, well, I've been um, I've been a truck driver for what forty five years, so I've seen the old and the new, and I can tell you quite, I hate the new. The new is just not like what truck drivers really need. I want to know how you went through COVID because I know it's it's so important um, for especially long distance truck drivers to be able to stop, have a rest, have a bite to eat, sometimes you know have a shower and have a sleep. How did you manage? Well, when COVID hit, um, like I was a, an Aubrey Brisbane runner, um, when when COVID hit, um, it stopped. It, service stations just shut. Restaurants closed down at six o'clock at night, and they would just take away food out of the Bay Marie. Um, and you know, if, if you were a nighttime runner, um, you had to take your own because it, it just wasn't there. Um, it gradually came back, but oh, it's nothing like it used mm. to be. You mentioned there, you know, what you need. If we are seeing service stations morph and change, what is it that, that truck drivers need? Is it to go back to the basics, like somewhere to actually get a home-cooked meal as opposed to a gnarly old pie out of a Bay Marie? <laughs> well, um, look, I, I was involved with the Australian Trucking Association and BP took on this um, going to feed truck drivers better. And, and at the major truck stops, they actually made a walk path around around their service centre and then they started feeding out um, pasta and all the good stuff that you're supposed to eat um, to keep you fit and, and keep you awake and keep you alert and all that. But they run that for six months and I, at the end of every day they were throwing 90% of it out because just truck drivers wouldn't do it. They put people into the service centres to get them to walk, try and coax them to walk around around the centre and to no avail. It just didn't work. So, you know, and I'm probably one of the big offenders because I am a, a steak and, and veggies man or a steak and salad man, whichever way you want to look at it. And to get that nowadays is just nearly non-existent. Mm. I want to um, ask you about your health, if that's okay with you, Doug, because I know sometimes it is hard if you're sitting in a cabin for multiple hours in a day to, you know, get some exercise and eat well. Um, how is your health? My health is pretty good. Um, I'm 74 and still driving, uh, not full-time now, but I am still driving. And um, at 74, I just love it. I'm lo- enjoying it more now than I did when I was 25. Why is that? Oh, just it's just a different. For me, it's just different. It's you know most of my friends have retired or died, um, you know. So I just yeah, I just live the dream every day. Take it all in and look at the surrounds as well. It's a big difference, isn't there, Doug? When it goes from a mission of getting from point A to point B, and then actually just taking in where you are and and yeah. enjoying that drive, so to speak. I I take my wife with me now a fair bit of the time. And she gets amazed at the sunrises and sunsets and, you know, look at that, look at that. You know, I've sort of been looking at it most of my life. But, yeah, um, it's just, it's a totally different world. And and I honestly think it's a backward move the way we are at the moment. Like, service centres are huge, but there's a McDonald's and there's a Hungry Jack's. Um, Just nothing there that's really of, of great substance for a bloke that's working, you know, 14 to 15 hours a day. Mm. Good on you, Doug. Thank you for having a chat with us this morning. Doug McMillan, who is a border truck driver um, up around Albury, Wodonga. Uh, let's have a chat now with Greg, who is in Coburg. G'day, Greg. Uh, g'day, how are you going? Good. That's good. Uh, look, my point of view is that you probably need to uh, make these uh, service stations into libraries or gymnasiums because people are going to be spending quite a lot of time there. One of the, As one of the previous callers alluded to, 20 minutes is the minimum that you would spend uh, charging your car, your electric car, and uh, that's if the Bowsers are free. We've all been to service stations on long weekends where there's a queue of cars waiting to fill up with fuel, and the fuel fill-up takes, what, four or five minutes? But uh, if you've got a queue of cars waiting 20 minutes at a mm. time, 
then you could be spending hours at a service station. Greg, that's not a great line, so we'll say goodbye, but I can actually see just quietly, I could see little gymnasiums, you know those 24-hour gyms, they seem to be popping up everywhere, Jonathan. And yeah, or the, the bit of the old high-intensity training session, you know, sometimes they'll go for half an hour or 45 minutes. 20 minutes, minutes mate, you're done, bam, perfect, couple perfect. of burpees, Just it's all get over. Get on the pec deck, you know, <laughs> your car's charged and then you can hop back in and away you go. And you're fit and healthy as well. <laughs> hey, this is interesting, it says my sister lives near Costco in Mentone, there's serve is just lines of pumps, no human interaction, no snacks, no toilets. You just sit in your car until it's your turn. She loves it. I hate it, but I live in regional Victoria. I like talking to people in and out of the local place, each to their own, I guess. That's from Marilyn. And then she says, P.S. Hi, Jono. Who's John? So you're certainly <laughs> not a John, according to Marilyn. Thank you, Marilyn. Uh, let's go to Mark in Epping now. G'day, Mark. Hi, I, I think the company should form affiliations with the power companies, buy a solar farm, they pump the power in, then they distribute it out through their service stations. Oh, Mark, but, it's a terrible line that we've got with you there. I'm not sure where you're maybe actually calling from a service station, but I think he's looking at how we speed up that time, Jonathan, you know, yeah. looking at spare batteries, uh, why people yeah. do need to wait. But I wonder how much of that has got to do with the fact that technology is just starting to keep up with demand. We just we have I think it's like a one percent uptake of EVs here in Australia, and whether yep. or not the, the, that technology will speed up as interest speeds up as well. Yeah, so I've got the um, specific stat here. Uh, so about 0.7% of new car sales last year were electric vehicles. So it was about 6,900 cars across Australia sold last year as electric vehicles. So we are, you know, we're pretty slow on the uptake with this stuff compared to Europe. Mm. I'm really interested to know why some of these big companies are more interested to um, sell their vehicles in Europe and not in Australia. Um, I, guess- I think because here we had to pay a luxury car tax and then on top yes. of it we've got road tax and that the average one that you get, you know, you're not going to get much change of sort of sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. So they're just yeah. unaffordable for yeah. most people at this point. Yeah, and that's the elephant in the room here as well, Rish, is how many people growing up today, and I'm thinking, you know, millennials, just aren't going to buy a car at all because, well, A, they might not need one, um, but B, they might not be able to afford one. So, um, yeah, I'd really be interested to hear from you if you've just made that decision, if you've just decided, no, I'm I'm not going to buy a car and therefore I won't need a service centre, I won't need a service station. Ian's in Ocean Grove. Hi, Ian. Hi. um is a, a, a shopping centre that's just re- recently been built on the outskirts of Ocean Grove, including Sue Supermarkets, uh, a number of a butcher of various other things. But one of the things that has been built in there is two two EV charging points. I have not seen those being used at all. You haven't seen well, them used at all? That, We've got right. some... Uh, Ian, we've got two EV charge points here where I am in sale, and I was just, you know, just hanging out, just loitering around them yesterday, and, and there was no one using them. But I have seen them previously um, have having, you know, being both in use. So mm. I guess it just depends on the day. Yeah, I've seen them in Bendigo as well. I've got family in Bendigo, and at the big shopping centres there, there's EV points. And I, for years, I didn't see anyone using them. And then the first day I did, I got quite excited. I was like, oh, <laughs> somebody's using that. <laughs> Me too. I wanted to go up and, and ask the person, you know, uh, just ask them about their car and and charging. And I guess if you're going to be in the same spot for half an hour or, you know, 40 minutes or whatever it takes, then then you've got time to have a chat. Mm. Hey, growing up, as I said earlier, we in Trafalgar and you had to turn off the main highway to get to our milk bar. So we owned the local milk bar there, Jono. And when the service station came to town, this was back in the 80s, it was a really big deal for Trafalgar. Lots of people didn't want it. They thought that it would mean that people would drive off, that they wouldn't spend in the local town. And to be honest, that's exactly what happened. People didn't. Our milk bar only lasted a year or two after that before it pretty much had to be sold. Ironically now, though, the last time I went through Traff, that service station isn't open. It's actually closed down now, so I wonder what impact that's having. But just down the road a little, 
That's something that's really been affecting and has been on the forefront of locals in Yarrigan. Yeah, let's go to Yarrigan, uh, a country town. It's about an hour and a half east of Melbourne on the Princess Highway. And after more than three years of protesting from locals, the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal, VCAT, uh, rejected plans for a large service station to be built at Yarrigan. Uh, there's a company called Jasby Petroleum, and it made a second attempt to have revised plans approved, but they were knocked back as well. Roy Lindsay is the president of the Yarrigan District Community Association. G'day, Roy. Good morning, John, and congratulations on your first conversation hour. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you, Roy. Um, now, why don't you want this big BP service centre in Yarrigan? Well, it was much more than just a service centre. They were pushing it as a truck stop, and it was going to be on a nine-acre site, which is 30,000 square metres, which is larger than the service stations and uh, freeway stations, which are at Officer and at Long Worry. So it was a massive effort, and this was going to be right on the edge of a tourist town of Yarragon. It would have been an ugly-looking mess. And when the plans were scaled back from service centre to service station, did that change things for you? Well, it was still a massive nine-acre site. The only difference was that they took out the fast food restaurants, which were uh, actually illegal in a farming zone. That's all they took out. And they they still put forward a large cafe. uh, And two days before the... um, VCAT hearing, they pulled that as well, but it remained as a nine-acre site, and that was that was a major thing that we did not want on the edge of a tourist town. And Roy, I know that the local area of Yarragon, it's quite beautiful, and a lot of work has been done to make it look historical and keep, I guess, in fitting with a certain time and look. Was a lot of it about aesthetics for the town as much as it was about what it might do to local business? Absolutely, Rachel. It was it was probably more about the the looks of the of the place once the restaurants were removed from the plans. The restaurants were obviously going to be a serious problem for the businesses in Yarragon because it depends on tourists and coffee shops and whatnot. But when even when that was taken out, it was still going to be a terrible looking nine acre site right on the edge of town. Did some people in Yarragon want the survey to, uh, servo to be built? Oh, absolutely. There were some who believed there'd be lots of jobs involved. But when we actually looked at the potential number of jobs involved, especially once they took the restaurants out, there were only two or three sort of full-time equivalents. And no doubt they would have been casual and uh, part-time and whatnot and low-paid. So jobs weren't the answer for Yarragon. Was this something that divided the town, Roy? Did everybody feel the same way? We know when big restaurants, you know, that may or may not have yellow golden arches come to town, some people say, we don't want that in our town. But then a lot of people will say, hang on a second, it's going to provide employment. It's going to do a lot of good as well. So was the town always on the same page? Well, I wouldn't say the town was on the same page, but certainly nobody came to VCAT and spoke up in favour of it. They all spoke against it. And is the proposal dead in the water now, Roy? Well, it is currently. Um, It was knocked back eventually on the fact that there was a strategic plan put in place by the council for that particular block of land, uh, and that was potentially housing in the long term. There is a Yarragon settlement plan under review, and it'll be interesting to see if that gets rezoned in any way, and that may make a difference. Hey, Roy, we've had a few texts this morning of people saying, yeah, we don't want a big service centre built near us either. Um, What would you say to those people in in how to fight a development like this? Well, we we have had uh, queries from people in Callista, and there is a fuel company would like to build a service station in Callista, and the community is fighting it very strongly. What I would suggest is that VCAT normally decide purely on planning matters, not just the fact that it's a case of NIMBY or not wanting it in my village. It's normally decided on pure planning matters. So if you have a problem, uh, get in touch with a, a planner and speak to the planners to see how you can fight it. Roy Lindsay, thanks for your time. 
You're very welcome, Rach. Thank you, Jono. See, um, he's the president of the Yarragon District Community Association. And you know, Jono, as soon as we say Yarragon, I do want to burst into the Yarragon local footy club theme song. So because <laughs> Go it for is, it. Oh, no, Can you I please? can't. It is just, uh, it is like an earworm, <laughs> like you would never believe. Hey, let's go through some of the texts. This, Rochelle and Jonathan, recharging points. Build them and they will come. People won't buy electric cars if there are insufficient charging points nationwide. It makes complete sense to install charging points in new shopping centres, apartments and commercial centres as well. Better than retrofitting. So that's come through from someone in Brunswick. But that's interesting, isn't it? And that's a little bit where it'll be different between city and country. You know that you all have some places where they're in shopping centres and apartments and whatnot. But in some other areas, you won't have those options. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm st- I still can't get over that you know all the words to the Yarragon theme song. I'm, I'm really, I don't know what I can do to, to make you sing that on air. But, <laughs> why are G-O-N spells Yarragon. There you go. Oh, beautiful. That's beautiful. We can make a promo out of that, Rish, I reckon. Um, let's go to David in Geelong. Morning, David. Good morning. How are you? I'm very Look, well. Uh, I think you've, um, I think the next technology coming along is hydrogen with fuel cells. So you effectively got an electric vehicle, but you actually you run hydrogen in, into the into the vehicle, and it's, it's no different to it's be similar along the LPG lines that you uh, you so you you get your range, but you fill up um, you fill up your um, your tank, but it will be a, obviously a pressure vessel, and you fill that up and and you burn your hydrogen, which turns into uh, which turns into electricity, which runs your uh, electric vehicle. Yeah, David, I remember when then Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull came down to the Latrobe Valley near where I am at the moment and he announced, I think it was $50 million for a trial hydrogen plant in the valley at one of the coal stations to turn brown coal into hydrogen and then the idea was that it would then be shipped offshore to the Tokyo Olympics um, where lots of vehicles would be running on hydrogen power in Tokyo. Now, a lot of things have, a lot of things have changed in that plan. Uh, you know, COVID came into play and all that sort of thing. But that was the idea. Do you reckon we should be investing more in, in hydrogen in Australia? Yeah, well, I mean, the way you produce hydrogen is, you know, you can reproduce it from brown coal, which was obviously, you know, the, the Latrobe Valley thing out. But the other way is to basically uh, electrolyze water and you use... Um, you use uh, your solar panels to produce your electricity, so you're effectively getting your green hydrogen. The hydrogen you're talking about is basically blue is blue hydrogen, but you know, yeah, same same thing. Um, and dependence uh, on carbon capture and storage as well. That whole project um, required carbon capture and storage to come into play uh, as well. Look, thank you very much for giving us a call this morning. Let's go to Adam. He's in Yarraville. Hi, Adam. Hi. How are you going? Good. What did you want to say? I just wanted to say that um, I'm an EV owner based in uh, Yarraville and um, I've sort of had a few road trips up to New South Wales. Um, In terms of the service stations around uh, where I live in the inner inner west, I imagine a lot of them will sort of convert into sort of convenience stores like you guys have been sort of suggesting. Uh, I also suspect suspect there'll be more, um, maybe a few fast chargers, DC fast chargers up to that sort of 350 um, kilowatt sort of rate, which can quickly charge cars for people who might be transiting through cities. But I think most people charge at home and then they'll probably yeah. use um, AC, AC charges like shopping centres and stuff like that. And is that where you think the future will be, that petrol stations will become something other than where you, I guess, charge your car, whether it be petrol or EVs? Because that's just something that you're not going to need as much if you're doing it at your local shopping centre, if you're doing it at your home, if you're doing it at your library or wherever it may be. Well, yeah, interestingly, I, I still have to go to service stations occasionally because, like, most people don't have air compressors to fill up their tyres. You know, some people might not have facilities to, to do water for their um, – to spray their windows. So, that, And then when you're doing road trips, you still have bugs getting collected on that. So I think there's definitely a role for service stations. I think it will evolve. There might be fewer of them. Um, and then I think I'll definitely have to diversify into different streams of business. Hey, Adam, how long does it take you to charge your car? Uh, so yeah, I've heard people quoting times. Um, I've got, I've got a, oh, I won't mention the brand. I know it's on ABC. Um, the um, it takes about twenty minutes when I'm doing a road trip, it, doing a fast charge, um, and you don't usually charge to full charge. So think about your mobile phone. The first when you, when it's really flat, the first sort of five ten minutes charges really quickly, and that's what happens when you've got those really fast charges. They charge quite quickly. Might get to say fifty percent in maybe five to ten minutes, 
And then to get 80%, it's usually now another 10 minutes. Mm. And to go to 100, that's when you're heading towards that 45 minutes. So, And so in so that you, 20 minutes that you're charging then, Adam, if you yeah. were at a, a service station, what would you want to do in that 20 minutes? Do you want to go to the gym and do a quick hit class, as Jono said? Do you want to get your hair cut? Do you want to pick up some dry cleaning? Do you want to eat? Do you want to go shopping? What do you want? I'd probably want to... Um, a bit, a bit of everything, I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm imagining this could be part of a larger service centre, like in terms of um, conveniences. Yeah, so haircuts, um, yeah, dry cleaning. Um, it could be whatever business you have on at the moment. So that, that those little spots, I think, will grow into to offer more and more services because, yeah, you, you probably don't want to get a pie every time you, you, you fill up or whatever. So, so <laughs> Unless you will you need a do. gym. Mm. <laughs> yeah, if you keep on eating pies, that's true. Uh, good on you, Adam. Thank you very much for your call. Um, and our last caller for today is Joanne from Frankston. G'day, Joanne. G'day. How are you? Good. Um, the reason I'm calling is because I reckon we should be changing the terminology. Um, what we call service stations are not service stations. They provide no services. Um, it's a bit like saying uh, wireless is a radio. You know, my, my mother used the term wireless which is not appropriate these days. So do you think um, that's what people are trying to do, though, Joanne, when we talk about a service station? If you can then go pick up your dry cleaning, get some ice, get some dinner, go to the gym, do all of those things, is that not giving you service? Well, it is, but it's shops. It's not about the car. And what, what they meant by service stations was they would come and they would do, check your water, they'd do your tyres, they'd, you know, all those little extra bits and pieces and tip their hat and take the money and you didn't have to get out of your car, basically. That was the service that they provided. And with a lot of elderly people, we don't get those sort of services any longer. I think it would be really uh, a smart move for someone in that um, service centre to actually provide those services at a cost. I'm happy to pay for it, but um, at the moment you get none of that. Well, good on you, Joanne. Thank you for that call. Uh, Joanne from Frankston. Hey, um, I've, I've had good fun today. Rich, will you have me back tomorrow? Show? You're feeling good now. It's always good oh. to get the first show done, Jonathan, <laughs> isn't it? We've di- we've discovered that people don't like to for me to call you Jono, that it has to be yep. Jonathan or John. I'm not sure yep. I can oblige there. But we've also learned a lot, and this is something that we you'll get used to saying on the conversation hour, is that there's just so many different opinions out there on topics that affect us all. And by the end of it, you sort of hopefully just gain a little more insight into other people's worlds. I've also discovered that Little Sammy's in Collingwood is a full-service petrol station, including <laughs> conversation and politeness. It's worthy of a deviation. That's from Mary in Clifton Hill. So the old-school servo, like what your dad used to do, Jonathan still exists. Yes, indeed. I have learnt that the words to the Yarragon theme song are fantastic and we're going to have to get you to sing it at the Christmas party if possible and um, I've learnt that this is a lot of fun and I'd love to come back tomorrow and do it as well. That's it for the Conversation Hour today. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can always subscribe to the Conversation Hour podcast. You can go to the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts and that way you'll never miss an episode and you can share it with your friends and family. And if you have an idea or someone or something you want us to talk about, you can email us, conversationhour at abc.net.au. Take care and speak to you soon.